Good morning, everyone. John chapter 3, 1 to 8. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see. <clears throat> The kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. <coughs> But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it uh, pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell uh, where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. So as you said, Last week, Bertin spoke to us about our Christian call to go and make disciples of all nations. And today we are moving on to the second instruction given in the Great Commission, the challenge for us to baptise those disciples that we have um, met in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The passage we heard today is from the third chapter of God's Gospel, but I think it's helpful just to recap a little bit on what happens in the first two chapters before we look a little bit more closely at the story of Nicodemus. In the first chapter, we hear about John the Baptist preaching on the banks of the River Jordan, speaking out a message of repentance, telling people that they need to turn turn towards the living faith of a Messiah who is coming. In his words, John is hammering home his message that um, the people need to change their ways, to make a fresh start, to make a new start in life. That very next day, Jesus begins to gather his disciples, men like Peter, like Andrew, who had been followers of John and had heard that message that John was sharing. Men who were so captivated by meeting Jesus, that they dropped everything just to follow him. In the second chapter, Jesus attends a wedding in Cana, and there he performs his first miracle, that turning of water into wine. In John's Gospel, this is immediately followed by Jesus going to the temple, and in his anger at the unjust and moral actions of the money changers and the temple salespeople, he overthrows tem- um, the table, shouting about destroying the temple and raising it again in three days. So in just two chapters, Jesus has done a lot of pretty big stuff, and his actions are starting to catch the attention of the people around him. Already, the religious leaders are wanting to know why he does the things he does, and under just whose authority is he acting. And this is where the story about Nicodemus begins. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and as a Pharisee he would have believed that God's law was to be strictly observed in order to obtain God's blessing. We don't know what it was that motivated Nicodemus to seek out Jesus, only that their conversation takes place in the 
darkness of night. This would have been nothing like the night sky that we see here in Leicester, illuminated by electric light, but absolute darkness. The kind of night that makes it hard to see, that makes um, good cover for secret conversations. Now, it could be that Nicodemus' duties as a Pharisee call him to challenge Jesus about his actions and his behaviour. But Nicodemus obviously recognises Jesus as someone special, And because his actions are so remarkable, so amazing, Nicodemus knows that they can only be the work of God. I like to think that Nicodemus is not there because of duty, but because he's heard Jesus talking about a new way of life, heard about the miracles that Jesus has performed, and like a moth to a flame, he's drawn towards Jesus, wanting to know more about how Jesus' words might apply to him, wanting to ask Jesus questions wanting to discover who Jesus really is. Whatever it was that brought Nicodemus to Jesus that night, I suspect that John is making a point about Nicodemus sneaking up to Jesus under the cover of night to help us understand that while Nicodemus came to Jesus knowing a lot about God's law, he was still in the dark about what God was doing in Christ. And that darkness symbolises Nicodemus' inability to fully accept Jesus as divine. In baptism, we are washed in body by water, reminding us of Jesus' own baptism in the River Jordan, reminding us that we are cleansed by our relationship with Christ and that we are renewed in our commitment to follow Jesus as a disciple. This is a public statement that we're making about our faith. Jesus says to Nicodemus that no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus is perplexed by this. He knows that there is no biological or physical way to be born a second time. It is simply impossible. But Jesus explains that he's not talking about entering the womb a second time. The women here today might be pleased to hear that. He is saying that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Spirit, Jesus says, will blow where it will. Just as you can't catch the wind, you can't control it. Neither can you control God's presence and activity in your life or in the world around you. There is nothing we ourselves can do to, can do to be born new. But in baptism, we can open ourselves to being moved by that wind of God's Spirit. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that it just isn't possible to find and know God by reading scripture alone. That's only part of our life of faith. Knowing God isn't an intellectual exercise, it isn't a memory test, it isn't a test of our understanding. Thankfully, for me, it doesn't mean that you need to be clever to know wrong words. These things are of absolutely no advantage when it comes to know God. We just need to want to know Jesus, want to be in relationship with him. That comes from our hearts. The word baptism originally meant dipping. It was a sign that people were brought into the Christian community and dipped in in that water. Today, baptism is a sign of celebration as we welcome each new person into the family of Christ. But Jesus speaks of the suffering and death that awaits him as a baptism to be endured. If you look at our baptism liturgy, we talk about dying and being born again to new life. We are drowned in the water of baptism, believing that we die to sin and are raised to new life. 
united in this to Christ's own death and resurrection. Isn't it interesting that Nicodemus and Jesus use that metaphor of childbirth to discuss baptism and what it means to take that decision to follow Christ? Here in 2023, death through childbirth in the UK is extremely uncommon due to the access that we have to free medical care. And it is easy for us to forget just how risky childbirth can be and still is in many parts of the world today. Across sub-Saharan Africa, Southern Asia, the World Health Organization estimates that nearly a thousand women die in childbirth every day, every day. So I don't think Jesus is necessarily speaking of the joy and the wonder that comes with a new baby when he speaks of childbirth, but of the turmoil and the risk that pregnancy carries with it. Picking up that cross, following Jesus, is not always an easy thing. It takes courage. That word, courage, keeps coming back to us this year. It takes commitment from us. And it definitely takes faith in the midst of uncertainty. In baptism, we are reminded that faith is an active thing that requires us to set out on a journey without knowing where it will take us. It requires us to follow willingly without any guarantees other than the knowledge that we are loved beyond measure. It requires us to be curious about what it really means to live with that belief that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. Being baptised, following Jesus, doesn't make us safe, it doesn't make us sheltered. And Nicodemus knew this. Jesus' first disciples discovered this at their own personal cost. And we continue to learn this ourselves as disciples of Christ. And don't get me wrong, baptism is a wonderful, life-changing, life-giving thing. It marks the beginning of our journey with God. A journey that continues for the rest of our lives. That first step in our response to God's love. This was true even for Jesus. You just think about his own baptism in the River Jordan. Holy Spirit descending like a dove and a voice speaking from heaven. You are my son. I love you and I am so pleased by you. Remember that um, creation story in Genesis. In the beginning there was a watery chaos, a great wind, the wind of God's spirit blowing over it. But from that chaos comes life. God's beautiful creation And what's God's reaction to this wonderful creation? God saw that it was good. It takes us back to those words of Jesus' baptism. You are my son. I love you. I am so pleased by you. And God sees you, all of you, sitting here today. He sees that you are good. He loves you and he is proud of you. In baptism, we are called individually as sons and daughters of God, claimed as people known, loved and cherished by God. God knows each of us by name, and we are his. In baptism, we are claimed as his. That chaos of our lives moving into order as the power of the Spirit moves around us. God's intention is that as human beings we will come to grow in such love and confidence in that relationship that we have with God that we can rightly be called God's children. In baptism, this identity is recovered, regained as we put aside our human sin, that chaos and vulnerability that involves our lives, 
and we are restored to right relationship with God. See, I told you, baptism is a wonderful thing. Baptism might restore our humanity, but it doesn't make us perfect people. We will, all of us, continue to make mistakes, continue to get things wrong every day, every hour, probably every minute. Baptism doesn't mean that these things will go away or that we're protected from suffering, but it does bring the assurance of the continuing, eternal presence of a loving Father, the God who knows us, is pleased with us, despite our weaknesses, despite our failings. Rowan Williams asks, where might you expect to find the baptised? Where might you expect to find the baptised? And his answer, in those places where humanity is most at risk, where humanity is most disordered, most disfigured and needy. Isn't this exactly what Jesus did as God incarnate? Living alongside people who were broken, lost, sick, in poverty, marginalised, loving them, being with them, looking at the chaos of human life and being there regardless. To be with Jesus is to be where human suffering, pain and distress are found. The gospel narrative of Jesus' life and ministry are quite clear on this point. You may have heard of baptism described as a sacrament, which is an outward sign of an inward grace. It's a symbolic acknowledgement that people on the outside of us can see that we have a relationship with God and a desire for that relationship to flourish. Baptism doesn't set us apart from people. It isn't an indelible badge of honour that marks us as being special or superior to people who haven't been baptised. But it does enable us to claim a new level of solidarity with the people as we put down those human defences that we have and risk opening ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit working within us, that wind blowing around us that we can't control or move, but changes us. We're not only recognised as sons and daughters of God, but we are blessed. We are blessed with the right to call God Father. As we celebrate Father's Day today, I'm sure you will have seen any number of cards marked to the world's best dad. Well, today I give thanks for those fathers who love and care for their children. But I know this is a difficult day for many reasons. For people who have lost their dads, have never known their dads. For people who aren't able to see their dads or their children today. For people who would love to be a dad. That list goes on and on. But we can be sure that in God we all have a loving Father, the one and only world's best dad. A Father who cares for us and wants abundant life for his children. Unlike Nicodemus who sneaks off on his own in the dead of night to speak to Jesus alone, the beauty of baptism is that it draws us into the heart of a big, messy family. I come from a family of four children. And my mum tells us that as children, we would, well, just as children, we might do it a little bit now, but we would argue, we would bicker between ourselves. But when things were difficult, when life got a bit tough, we would always side with each other, support each other. Being part of the church, the body of Christ, might have something in common with this. We are a family of people who look different to each other. We think differently to each other. We probably disagree. We probably drive each other up the wall sometimes. 
But look at us, we are amazing and wonderful in our diversity. And in the church, we should be able to find people who will support us in love and prayer, just as we are. People who, in return, we will support with love and prayer, good times and bad. That's church. Yeah. In the church, we do have a family who should remind us of who we are, what we have been called to do. A family who encourage us to pray, to read scripture, to engage in worship, to live good Christian lives, holding us accountable even when we feel discouraged and disheartened ourselves. You see, there is a solidarity in baptism that connects us not just to God, but to our Christian family. It reminds us that we are one body, one being. I just want to add a curiosity. How many people here today have been baptised? Yeah, a lot of people. If you haven't been baptised, but would like to know more about it, would like to know more about what involves, would like to know how you could be baptised, do come and speak to me, come to speak to Burton after the service. We would really love to speak to you about this. Nicodemus came to Jesus, certain that God's blessing was reliant on his adherence to religious law, believing that he himself had the power to earn God's love, to earn God's care. But this love is not ours to earn, it is freely given to us. It reaches out across the whole world, all of us, every single individual one of us. It is a love that sent God's Son into the world, a love that draws us back to God, that draws us closer to one another, a love that not only sustains and nurtures us, but redeems us as well. In the Church of England, we believe in one baptism. Once we are claimed as God's children, that is forever. But of course, we will always need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, continually blowing to move us closer to God, to renew our faith. And as we open ourselves before God, we come open to new understanding. We might still struggle with new questions, but as we do, as we engage in our faith, as we allow ourselves to be moved by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are born anew over and over again as our faith deepens. Jane Chichester, a Catholic nun, said, Wherever I am, whatever my state of mind, God is the spirit within me and the life in me. God is there for the taking. God is the air I breathe and God is the path I take. This is the work of the Spirit and it echoes Jesus' words to Nicodemus, telling us that we are completely surrounded by God, who brings breath to our life, is the very basis of our existence, gives oxygen to our souls. We know that this conversation that Nicodemus had with Jesus was truly life-changing for him. It was the start of a very different journey in faith. Because we meet Nicodemus twice more in the Gospels, when the priests and the scribes are debating how to handle Jesus in his subversive teaching, Nicodemus intervenes, arguing that Jesus should be heard before being condemned. It is also Nicodemus who helps Joseph of Arimathea to care for and bury Jesus' body after his crucifixion. And these appearances tell us that the message Jesus shared that night stayed with Nicodemus, leaving him no longer in the dark but born anew. It led him to take risks. It should lead us to take risks, 
to respond to the love that God offers us through Christ, to follow a new way of life. In baptism, we all have that opportunity. It's just up to us to follow that call and that uh, great commission to go out, to baptise in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.